We're going to look at the verses that Susie brought earlier from Hebrews 10, the verses 23 to 25. So I'm going to read from the ESV version, might be a bit different from yours. So it starts from verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as the day is drawing near. So from our conversation with the kids, we felt that we had about five points that the Holy Spirit stirred up for us to share with you today. So the first thing that we were really struck by reading these verses, it says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful we were really struck by the language hold fast don't waver it strikes up so much imagery the imagery of a boat in a storm holding on to the boom the rope on the boom just holding on not wavering otherwise it could capsize it conjures up the imagery of being a rugby team hold fast hold fast in the scrum fighting for the ball it also has the imagery of an army holding the line hold the line hold fast locked in a shield wall and if anyone wavers it's going to cost people their very lives this is the imagery we get here hold fast the confession of our hope so the hope that we have in jesus is something that we are to confess it's something we're to proclaim, to share, to speak. It's got to be let loose in the world that we live. I was just sort of thinking as we were talking about this, about the coronavirus and how we've been given something that we've got to hold fast to, that we can't waver from social distancing, from isolating ourselves in our homes. And actually, if we do waver, if we do the opposite of whatever holding fast is, I'm not too sure, but if we give in, if we relent, then actually it's going to cost people their lives. And in some ways, what we see here, if we relent from holding fast and we actually waver, then people's very souls are at stake because we're not going to be sharing the confession of our hope. Friends, this is super, super powerful. We're told that we've got a fight. These are active words. We've got a fight that we've got to hold fast. Friends, we live in a world that's warring and pushing against us. It's trying to make us waver. There's fear that's coming in against hope. There are situations that we're in right now. Some of you might be at home in fear of the coronavirus. You may be in fear of the fact that you've just been put on furlough. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you can't buy food. Maybe like the lady in the prayer that we heard earlier, maybe you're just wondering how you're gonna get through the day being stuck indoors with your family for weeks on end. Friends, the world is trying to push us away from the confession of our faith by deluging us, literally using that, the boat imagery, deluging us with a storm that's so toxic, that's so overwhelming, that it silences us, it muffles us to communicating the great, wonderful news of who Jesus is in our lives. Point number two is that he is faithful. And so it says here, he who promised is faithful. It says that in verse 23. And so who is he? Who is it talking about? Is it talking about God? Is it talking about Jesus? Is it talking about both? Now, friends, I firmly believe that this is talking about both God and Jesus. All the way through the Old Testament, 
that the God of Israel, Yahweh, made promise after promise to his people about providing a saviour. And then when Jesus was born, there was so much prophetic promises that kind of signposted to that point in human history that Jesus fulfilled all of them, even the place of his own birth. That's something that you can't kind of organise before you're born. Where are you going to be born? And so that proved that there was something unusual, something divine, perhaps something supernatural about this person, Jesus. And then the words of Jesus formed the whole foundation of human history for much of our Western culture. So there's something very powerful about this Jesus. And then the other thing that we see in the life of Jesus is that he actually claimed to be God. That was why he was crucified. That's what we celebrate at Good Friday. It was a Good Friday because God came and laid his life down to us so that we could be brought back into relationship with him. See, the truth of it is we live in an incredibly broken world. It's a world that's fractured and it's full of sickness and death. We see that with the coronavirus. There are germs that literally threaten our very life. But God didn't make the world to be that way. God made the world perfect and whole for us to live in perfect relationship with him and with fellow man. But we've all kind of rebelled and gone our own way. We've turned our backs on God and we've run into brokenness. And we try and escape brokenness through so many different things, through relationships, through alcohol, through drugs to numb the pain, through success in climbing the career ladder, through pastimes, through throwing, through prioritising family, everything but a relationship with God. But God sees that we're in brokenness and has made a way out for us. And the way that he did that was by sending his son Jesus down into the earth some 2,000 years ago to live the perfect life that you and I couldn't live. And wicked men took him and nailed him to a cross. Like I say, that's what we celebrate at Easter. But Jesus, proving that he was God himself, rose up three days after he died in resurrection life. And he made a way back to the Father that all of us, if we repent of our sins and we believe on Jesus' name and what he's done, we actually make him the king of our lives. And God makes us a brand new creation and we get to return to God's original plan for our lives. And that is a message. That's the message that I responded to. I gave my life to Jesus. I was in brokenness. I was suicidal. I was a drug addict. I was broken and I knew I was broken. I knew I was done for. I'd had enough. And I put my faith in Jesus and he's changed me from the inside out. And he could do that for you as well. He who promised is faithful. God is faithful. Point number three. So point number three is this. It's about the many and the few. Now, I don't know if you can see the notes that I did here with one of my sons, but you might be able to see that there are these words. I'm gonna read them out. The word us, our, us, one another, together, one another. All these words talk about the many. It's talking about the church, us, one another, meeting together, all of us together. But at the very end, he says, you've got to encourage one another all the more as you. And so he's talking to the many, but he's also talking to the few. He's both talking to the church, but he's also talking to you and to me. This is really, really powerful. If we don't give ourselves to considering how to stir one another up, to love, love one another, to love the world, to love God, and to good works, to serve in people who are in incredible brokenness, like we just heard, 
particularly with the coronavirus, we've got friends and neighbours who are going to re really need a tender hand, a loving care, even when we can't get close to them. How can we love people? Delivering shopping, stuff like that. That we should not neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day drawing near. And so this whole thing about the many and the few is that there are that there are many of us, but each of us has a responsibility to make this work. Each of us has a responsibility in Christian community. Each of us has a responsibility in proclaiming Jesus to hold fast to the confession of our hope, that we should be confessing our hope to everyone, everywhere, every day, without wavering, because he who promised is faithful. And so the writer of this letter, Hebrews, I believe it's the Apostle Paul, is encouraging us not to neglect meeting together. Now, we're in a season where meeting together physically is incredibly difficult. I'm not just talking to you if you're from Hope Church, Sittingbourne, but wherever you are from, whatever church community you're in in the world, chances are you're in lockdown right now. But the encouragement here is don't neglect meeting together. Now, when we asked our kids about neglect, they said that it means to push away. So if we neglect meeting with people, we're actually pushing people away. We're ignoring them. We're disowning them. I was thinking if we're actually a body and we're a healthy part of the body, but we don't connect with the body, it's a bit like amputating a healthy part of your body. You wouldn't do that. That's abuse. Why would you do that? chopping off a healthy part of the body. Imagine a fire with coals and you take a coal out of the fire. If all of the coals are separate, the fire goes out very quickly. But if one coal removes itself, it's not gonna be long before that coal gets incredibly dull. It loses its fire. But also the rest of the fire feels its absence. Friends, I wanna encourage you, whilst we're in a time where all we can do is meet digitally, what else are we doing? We're probably stuck indoors watching Netflix. I know some of us may be key workers and have jobs like that. But genuinely, I want to encourage you, try and make every opportunity to connect in online with whatever you can. We're aware of friends that are leading worship in the mornings or on, online. Friends who are leading Bible studies and devotionals. We're running our own hope groups online. We've got Sunday mornings like this. There is so much opportunity to connect in with meaningful Christian community so that you can stir one another up, so that you can meet meaningfully in community, so you don't neglect encouraging others. It says here about as is the habit of some. That word, as is the habit of some, I would hate for my personal reputation or for your personal reputation to be, oh yeah, they're one of the sums, the ones who neglect meeting. I want to be known as one of those. He, he's so consistent in encouraging other believers, in turning up, in putting in the shift, even when it's hard, even when it's di difficult. He prioritizes Christian community because the Bible tells him so, and it's good for his soul. Friend, don't give up meeting. Be one of the many, not one of the few. Point number four. We're told to encourage one another in the last verse all the more as you see the day drawing near. There's this real sense that Jesus promised, the one who is faithful, promised that he would be returning. I don't know about you, but in lockdown, it can feel a little bit like that film with Bill Murray called Groundhog Day, where he plays a guy called Phil Connors. I don't know if you've seen it, but he basically relives the same day over and over and over again. And he wakes up every morning and it's like, here we go again, Groundhog Day. It's that over and over and over again. It's quite a funny film, as you can imagine with Bill Murray, if you're old enough to remember Bill Murray, I'm showing my age now. But in lockdown, it can feel a bit like that. But this verse tells us that actually every day, 
we're one day closer to the returning of Jesus, to that day, the day, the day of the return of the Messiah, and how we should encourage one another and spur one another up. There's a real sense of like spiritual momentum gathering every day through human history as believers like you and I gather together and encourage one another that Jesus is coming back soon. The trouble and the tribulation, the fear and the concern that we feel right now in our present day and age, it's not going to last. It might feel like it is, but it's not going to last. Friends, this is really encouraging. We are to give ourselves all the more in this day and age to meet in together. We're not to wane and withhold and slowly remove ourselves, but actually increasingly day by day by day, we press on, we persevere, we hold fast, we don't waver, we encourage, we get behind one another, we hold one another up, we pray for one another, with love, with good works, all the more as we see the day approaching when the glorious Jesus, the one who is faithful, is gonna come back and gather us up in his purposes for all of eternity. Friends, that is gonna be a beautiful day. Okay, so point number five is this. The image that we came up with was a chain with many strong links, but one weak link. Now, obviously, we all have moments of weakness when we're weak. Jesus is strong. But there's this real sense of us all having to be together. We let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Let us consider how to stir up one another. So there are these words about it's not about us. It's about everyone else. And actually we're to strengthen and embolden, to encourage and consider one another. There's this real sense of us building up and encouraging, living beyond ourselves. One of the things we talk about as a church is praying beyond ourselves. That we would be those whose lives kind of overflow into the lives of others. And if we end up being a weak link in the chain, if we end up removing ourselves from that, like I said, being one of the ones who removes themselves, then actually we become a weak link in the chain of God's purposes in our day and age. Friends, right now, your neighbours need you, your community needs you. The Spirit of God, I believe, is calling us into relationship with Him. I think right now that the Spirit of God wants to use us in a mighty way, but it'll only move through those who have submitted themselves to Him, who've made Jesus the King of their lives. Those who are saying, God, here I am, use me. And if we find ourselves to be a weak link in the chain, we're actually saying we don't want any part of this. I'm not giving myself to, do, to doing this stuff. I want you to think of a chain that's being galvanized through trial, through tribulation. It's being fashioned and formed. It's being refined. It's being honed. It's being strengthened. And actually, if we remove ourselves from community, if we remove ourselves and say, I'm not going to encourage. I'm not, I don't want to be encouraged. I'm not going to encourage others. I'm just going to consume myself with Netflix. Or with, I'm going to let fear overwhelm me. Or actually, I just find it really difficult to meet online. All of those things are well and good, but actually if they get in the way of God's plan and purposes for us, I don't think these words are empty words that have been written to us just as a nice encouragement. Just consider it. Paul is fathering the church in something that will grow it into maturity so that it will be effective and powerful in its day and age. And that's what we want for you, whether you're in Sittingbourne, Sierra Leone, Singapore or Sydney, God has got amazing plans for you, for your life but he needs to find you before him saying, here I am, use me. If you've extracted yourself from the body, then the lifeblood of Jesus isn't gonna flow through you as effectively. Friends, you need to be in community. Friends, give yourself in this day and age to meet in regularly, to encourage and to be encouraged. 
God has got great plans for your life. And so those are our five points from Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. We hope they've encouraged you. See you soon.